Hi, I'm Ariane Sparks. Welcome to the hot seat. With us today to discuss the recent assassination of Pakistani political leader Salman Tassir is Dr. Adnan Nazimullah. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Would you tell us a little bit about Salman Tassir and the motivation behind his assassination? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Salman Tassir uh, comes from uh, one of the big elite liberal families in Pakistan. He was actually the nephew of one of Pakistan's most um, celebrated poets, Fez Ahmed Fez, who was, who was a communist. Uh, Tassir went to Government College Lahore, which is sort of an elite institution in Lahore uh, that was set up by the British, and came to London to study chartered accountancy. Um, in the 1960s, he got very involved with the kind of populist movement behind Zulfikarli Bhutto in the Pakistan People's Party um, and has remained as sort of a close associate of the leaders of the PPP, including the late Benazir Bhutto and the current president, uh, Asif Ali Zardari. He's also a very, very, he was a very, very rich man. He uh, started um, a group who did business consulting and accountancy. He established a cell phone network that is very popular in the country and um, also published a newspaper. Um, he's not, it, it's interesting because he, he is a political leader, but he's not been very, ac uh, very, very successful in electoral politics. But in 2007, he was appointed in one of, la one of the last Musharraf cabinets as the Minister of Industries, and so after that was appointed Governor of Punjab, which was the position he held um, until he died. Um, and he's been a pretty outspoken advocate on liberal causes, and especially in terms of religious minorities. Um, he defended the uh, Ahmadis, who are a sect that have been persecuted in, in Pakistan. Um, and um, also uh, religious minorities like Christians. Um, the background for the actual assassination came when uh, Salman Tassir personally intervened and uh, investigated um, the case of Asya Bibi, or Asya Nareen is her proper name, who the Christian uh, lower caste woman who was, um, or lower community uh, uh, woman who um, was, uh, prosecuted under the blasphemy law and was sentenced to death. And he had said that he would take up the case and actually uh, ask the president, the president to uh, provide clemency. Um, in so doing, he also made a statement that the blasphemy law was a uh, so-called black law and should be repealed. Um, and so when Tassir was uh, just visiting a, a cafe in Islamabad, one, one that I know actually quite well, um, he as he was leaving and entering the car, uh, one of his bodyguards, a uh, man by the name of uh, Malik Mumtaz Qadri, um, shot him, I think, seven times, uh, and he died on the way to the hospital. Qadri's interesting because he, um, w before uh, joining this uh, Punjab elite force that was supposed to uh, take care of uh, VIPs, he was, um, well, he comes from a... a pretty conservative family, but within a fairly liberal sect of Islam called the Bereldis. Um, so that's a little bit of background. Thank you. Do you think his assassination highlights the ongoing battle between religious and secular forces in Pakistan? I think it does. Um, one of the saddest things to, to see, and a number of commentators have mentioned it, is the 
amount of um, the amount of sort of rhetoric in support of Kadri and his actions in the popular in the popular press, the vernacular press in Urdu, and in um, social networking sites like Facebook. Now we have no idea uh, how representative that is, but um, but that has really worried people. But I think it's important to remember that the sort of clash between the secular and the religious is really just part of the identity of Pakistan. Pakistan was formed in 1947 and partitioning from India because a number of political leaders felt like uh, a, a nation for Muslims will allow for Muslims to be to reach their full potential in, in terms of um, economic development um, and not be discriminated against in a Hindu-majority country. Now, those leaders mostly envisioned a Pakistan with kind of liberal constitutionalist values and no discrimination against religion. I mean, the Pakistani flag has a quarter uh, white, is a quarter white, three quarters green, to represent at that point the 25% um, minority uh, communities in Pakistan. Now that figure is 4%. But what has ha happened since then is that successive non-democratic, especially military governments, have used the um, orthodox Islamic leadership as a source of legitimacy. And that has especially uh, peaked in the military regime of Zia al Haq from 1979 until 1988, in which he established a number of institutions to intervene in, this, in social life and to put Pakistan, the Pakistani constitution and Pakistani laws in conformity with a very conservative interpretation of Islam. That included establishing the federal Sharia court, as well as a number of these laws passed by ordinance, not by parliament, including the blasphemy law. Where do you see the country moving from here? Do you think this will lead to more polarization? Um, unfortunately, I think it, it is. I mean, it's, it's one uh, event in a long chain of events, including um, sectarian violence between Sunni and Shia communities in the country and the occupation of, of a library um, in 2007 uh, by uh, women uh, seminarians, um, uh, which led to a, a shootout in Islamabad in 2007. Um, I think the two things that are worth paying attention to is firstly that the, the Islamic parties, the Islamist parties, uh, are not particularly popular. Uh, in the National Assembly, uh, there are the National Assembly of Pakistan, there are 340 seats. Islamic, Islamist parties hold only seven of them, as opposed to the PPP's 124. So it's a case in which uh, Islamist, uh, Orthodox uh, Islamist parties have been able to take control of the rhetoric around what Pakistan's about, and especially to do with the religion, without necessarily popular support. And the second thing is, um, the incapacity of the state and especially the judiciary to interpret and implement law in, a, in accordance with equality and fairness is, is a real problem. Uh, the blasphemy laws 
is a very difficult law because it is based on hearsay. He said, she said that um, someone said something bad about the prophet. And then that leads to the, pro the persecution of particularly religious minorities in the country. Um, and yet we don't see the Supreme Court and the high courts intervening to clean up the, clean up the prosecutions and interpret the laws in a way that um, might actually lead to some more kind of fairness and equity. All right, we'll leave it there. Dr. Nazimullah, you are off the hot seat. Thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for being with us. Please tune in next month for our next edition of The Hot Seat.